Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for... Looking in the mirror. Do I look good? I got my extra bands on. I got my other shoes on. Be a doll for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast. From the bad boys of the Sun Belt. Yeah. yeah. Out to Carolina University. Yeah. Yeah. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. This deep into the season and we get a special treat. A phrase never before uttered in the history of the English language. Mormons versus Mullets. <laughs> I think yes, about how did. long the English language has been going, right? <laughs> how many people speak it globally? There's like, you know, if you have like the infinite amount of monkeys typing on an infinite amount of typewriters, eventually they'll do the entire works of Shakespeare. Right. That old that old phrase. Mormons versus mullets. It's not often you get something brand new. That's true. I would bet that if you searched in a in a search engine, preferably Yahoo, but if you want to go to that other one, it hit, there were no hits like a week ago. <laughs> Never before. Never before. BYU answers the call. They drove a bus all the way from Brover, their, their equipment truck, to Conway, South Carolina. Fantastic game. BYU, Coastal Carolina. Uh, Coastal wins 22-17 on an incredible tackle at the one-yard line. Game lived up to everything. We had a near bench clearing brawl. We had drama back and forth. Great plays. A lot of good players on the field. There were some terrific, just highly entertaining all around. Great line by uh, Marty Smith at ESPN about the BYU Cougars. He's, you know, something about, you know, not the first time a bunch of Cougars went to Myrtle Beach on a, on a Saturday <laughs> night looking for, <laughs> looking for some, some glory. I read another tweet saying, of course, I um, of course, I'm not watching Alabama LSU so I can watch the end of this BYU Coastal Carolina game like this is where we're at. But terrific game. Uh, We'll get to it quickly. Pat, your thoughts on the uh, the the Mormons versus mullets, which the mullets pulled out there. Yeah. Thank you very, very much to both schools for as I referred to it as this Tinder date classic. Uh. (laughs) You know, for I don't know whether you swipe left or right, but whatever way, whatever way <laughs> BYU swiped to pick up the game, man, that was that was great because it was risky for both schools. Somebody's going to lose an undefeated season, 
And it's the kind of thing, you know, most coaches would would just get immediately very uptight about, oh, my gosh, we haven't had time to prepare. Wait a minute. I don't know anything about this opponent. Wait, you, we're going to go 4,000 miles to the, to the Atlantic Ocean and play this game? I mean, so BYU took it on. And then it absolutely lived up to the uh, to what we had hoped. I mean, it was it was a really really good game. There was not just the drama at the end, which was spectacular. It was like the most exciting game ending tackle since the Super Bowl Super Bowl thirty four when Mike Jones tackled Kevin Dyson. That was obviously a little bit bigger stakes, but this was their Super Bowl for Coastal and for BYU. And no, to have it the end. Same stakes. <laughs> no, not the same stakes. But for these, for those players, it is. They're probably not going to yeah. play in a bigger game. Yeah, some no, of them will. Great. There were some NFL players on the field. I, I, you know, I just I salute the the spirit of the whole thing. You know, of being willing to take it on. And uh, as Coastal Coach uh, Jamie Chadwell said, Luke, leading up to it, at least we got balls. Yeah, they're willing to play this game out of out of thin air. So, Coastal. I am so impressed with them. I mean, they're well coached. They've got a great scheme and, you know, that kind of interesting modernized option game. But their defense is good, too. Well coached on defense. They've got some war daddies on the front line, uh, as Zach Wilson found out and as BYU's very touted offensive line found out. Uh, But, man, Zach Wilson kept slinging and darn near pulled this thing off in the end. I mean, it would have been, it would have been 91 yards in 43 seconds with no timeouts. Instead, they went 90. They got tackled at the one. So fantastic moment that nobody saw coming. Nobody expected because it didn't even, wasn't even going to exist until Wednesday. And I'm really glad it happened. I probably of, of my normal 16 hours of game watching, I, I think four of my hours were like solely dedicated to, to coastal um, and, and BYU and, and enjoyed every minute of it. The just the programs are so different, right? You got a you got a you got a Sunbelt program that's running an evolved version of the option. And I say that as a compliment. I think too often in modern football, people view the option as some inferior attack. And I credit Jamie Chadwell a lot because I feel like if you are running your quarterback, you are equalizing. Like when Dan Mullen was running the quarterback at Mississippi State to help them catch up, when Gus Malzahn was doing it at Auburn, at least when he was doing it well, like nobody was like, oh, that's a gimmick offense. It's like, no, running the quarterback is how in modern college football you go from pick, being picked last in the Sunbelt East to going and being a now top 15 team and capturing it. Like that is a really important part of all this. So yeah, I, I was really impressed by them. And I thought that BYU did a poor job of recognizing what was happening and just leaning on Coastal's front. Now Coastal had some war daddies up front and, and they, they did not just fall over. I think like BYU might've expected, but ultimately, you know, I think scheme helped win this game and game plan helped win this game. Coastal had the ball for 38 minutes, essentially, and they scored on touchdown drives of 17 plays, 11 plays, and 13 plays. That is the way to beat an opponent that is probably more talented. Exciting game, no question. Two very different programs. I think there was some jokes about, uh, or it wasn't even jokes, it was like facts, like the, the because there were fans in the stands there, some, and uh, they served beer there. And some of the coastal fans were happy they were on the BYU sideline because they could. There was no line at the <laughs> no beer stand. <laughs> the opposing teams in the in the fun belt, they're all drinking. Yeah, so exactly. if you get in, you know, like you're not you're not expecting. I don't know Georgia, the Georgia Southern team showing up. They're drinking, okay. But all of a sudden, like no 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 uh, no alcohol sales, probably not a lot. So 
It really was. What I, what I liked about it is they played. And yes, there's this big risk. Well, we might not get a New Year's Six bid or we're not going to get this or that. They got so much more out of it than that traditional, conservative, take-no-chances bit. This was a lot more like how Bo- Bobby Bowden built up Florida State. Yeah, let's play. Even if we lose, it reminded me a lot more of college basketball. And we lost on Saturday the 1v2 Baylor Gonzaga game. And Gonzaga to me is this great example of we'll play anybody. And over the course of years and years, we get a little bit better. And and I know they're not, you know, Coastal Carolina is not going to, you know, it's not built this way in, in football, but you can get better and you get a lot of attention and you, your school got a lot of attention and your team and your recruit, everything. It was a great night for coastal Carolina. It was also a great night for BYU and their program. Cause they played in a big game and Gonzaga lost for a long time. And eventually now it's like no shocker at all. that Gonzaga's number one. Now you're no, number who's number one Gonzaga. Oh yeah, of course. Right. Why not? It's because they took those risks. So what you might've lost by losing this by this game, BYU now okay, they're gonna have a loss on their schedule. There was a lot of, I mean, there was some that that coat that one of those shows this weekend was claiming uh, on ESPN the All State Playoff Predictor. Do you see this thing? Something called the All State Playoff Predictor. I have All State. I'm glad that the hopefully the numbers are not so screwed up on my All State account. I got to check that out. Claim that if <laughs> BYU won on Saturday, then it had a 47 percent chance of making the playoff. Oh, come like, on. wait, what in college football? They have, <laughs> yes, in co- college football. I'm like, they have a zero percent chance. This yeah. is not a math equation, this is a people equation, and there ain't no way in hell that committee was putting BYU in unless everybody lost. Like, literally, everybody had Notre Dame had to lose to, to Syracuse by 50, <laughs> Alabama <laughs> had to lose out. Like, there was no way. See, you were you didn't lose anything, BYU. What you got was four hours and a couple of days of everyone in the country talking about BYU football, thinking about, it's great. And BYU as an institution, and it's a very interesting institution that tries to promote its religion, as that's pretty much what the program is for, right? Get people talking yeah. about BYU. And so all positive, all that nobody lost the game. And I hate right. that. We were trying to get that Cincinnati BYU game, and people, well, we don't want to lose that New Year's New Year's Six bowl slot. Who was in the New Year's Six bowl slot three years ago? I don't know. Who cares, right? I know there's money, and and everything's driven the wrong way. This was what was good about college football this weekend. Quite honestly, there was nothing going on. It was not a great weekend of college football. It's very boring right now. We'll talk about the playoff in a second. Nothing's happening. This was the punch in the arm. It was fun. It was exciting. It was unique. Uh, the only thing I wish is they had gotten off ESPNU and put it, and I know the TV networks struggle in 48 hours to change everything up, but it was it was college football at its best. I'm not saying either team deserves to be in the playoff. It shouldn't be about the playoff. I'm not saying that they're better than this. It shouldn't be about that. It just was a great football game and is great for these two schools. Yeah. Totally with you. I mean, that, that, that's the thing is it was it was incredible advertising for both schools. I, I mean, the president of Coastal Carolina was like liking my column on Twitter. Uh, you know, they, they realize what the showcase was for them. And 
you know, to have game day there and all the buildup and everything, and then to have the game, not just to play it, but for the game to turn out as good as it was. And I think anybody that objectively watched it said, man, that's good football and it's fun football. And boy, was it dramatic football when it goes down to the last play and a tackle at the one yard line. Was Coastal trying to tamper and get Brooke to transfer? Does <laughs> Coastal swim? Is this? I, I don't think they have swimming there. Well, uh, I think we're going to. Oh, they got water nearby. Let's start they an might, investigation. They might not have start a global health interventions major either. So I don't know. Uh, all right. Are you saying Coastal's not on the same academic plane as Stanford, Pat? You, you know. I, <laughs> I haven't done 69% acceptance rate. Maybe <laughs> not. I don't think so. Listen. So let okay. me ask this. The fact but, that their their most famous alum is Dustin Johnson. You're like, oh, <laughs> Dustin graduated? Uh. <laughs> yeah, if you got a degree, well. <laughs> All right, so wait, we got a lot of different do this schools. in the future? This is what I want to know, Like, because I think it's interesting. Because immediate knee-jerk reaction was, we need more games like this. And yes, of course we want more games like this. We don't want games scheduled 18 years out. How realistic is it in non-COVID times without cancellations when you have to put together season ticket packages, when you have to worry about hotel rooms in, in you know, in a more normalized setting? Can this really happen? Like, again, no, no. Right. No, that's the thing. When, when <laughs> you, when you factor could, in tens no. of thousands of fans, uh, that totally ratchets up the degree of difficulty on this. And I think people will go back to reflexively college leaders will go back to structure, structure, structure and doing things the way they've always done them. So maybe there will be a little bit more flexibility to schedule things more quickly and more spontaneously, but I don't think this is a game changer necessarily. Everybody involved in college football is a control freak. And, you know, I mean, the fact that this, this was as big of a deal when you look at, college basketball and they just changed things up or even the national football league and to, to, to an extent, but they've learned to just be like, yeah, we're playing now at Wednesday at three forty. you know, like yeah. even they, but in college football, it's control free, control free, control free. I, like college basketball, like the Villanova was up in that, that casino in Connecticut. They just like hung around. They had <laughs> like two games anybody. scheduled. Yeah. They were just like, anyone else want to play? Like we're still here. <laughs> yeah. Get another run tomorrow. Like that's basketball, right? Like if football, hell no. I remember John uh, Temple used to schedule sometimes a Friday game and a Saturday game. Uh, they go on the road and then John Cheney want to be home. We just play, we don't want to go on Thursday because yeah. it's school. Let's play Friday, Saturday. And people would, this is 20 something years ago. People would flip out like this crazy back-to-back games. He's like, NBA plays back-to-back games all the time. Yeah. Like what, these kids are 19. They're, they'll be all right. Like, uh, But it's like, oh my God, we can't. And basketball's kind of chilled out a little bit more on that. And now you mm-hmm. just have all these wild events. But yeah, like Villanova just wandered around Connecticut looking for anyone to play. And we'll play, we'll play. I don't care. We'll lose. Jay Wright's like, what? They're gonna fire me? Well, like, who cares? That's what we need. But it's not gonna happen in football. I mean, it's just not. So yeah, just it, it you they're gonna come back. I was talking to an 80 this morning, and like <laughs> he was expressing how much he needs his stadium filled next year, like everybody does. So we're not like, hey, let's leave an open date. Maybe if we're good, we can get a like just all those variables would make they're like, no, put money back in the pot, put money back. Right. in the pot. All right. Let's look at this as as the playoff, because there was a lot of time. This is this is a playoff thing. It's not right. This is my opinion. You guys tell me. I think there are there are only six teams. I thought this going into the week. It's only six teams can make this playoff. In my in my opinion, Notre Dame is in the playoff unless it somehow loses huge to Clemson. And, and and I'm talking like it's 40 
it's like a Alabama LSU beat down in the first half. Because I really don't even think a, a two, three touchdown game, you would look and say Notre Dame isn't any good. I think they've, other than the Louisville game, they have proven, of course, across the entire season that they're good, really good team. So I think Notre Dame is in, barring disaster. I think Alabama is in, barring losing to Arkansas this weekend. Uh, obviously, they lose to Arkansas, lose to Florida, but they could go in, and this is not uncommon. I've written this a million times. I hate conference championship weekend because half the time, it doesn't matter whether you win or lose. And it's a wasted weekend of what could be an eight-team playoff. Uh, and I and I hope the one thing that comes out of this, if you want flexibility, is, yeah, we can start playing an eight-team playoff because the season would be a lot more exciting if we had one this year. But I think Alabama's basically in, too. Obviously, they could get trucked by Florida, but what are the chances, right? So high probability, two are already in. And then you obviously have Florida and Clemson that can play their way in. And then you've got Ohio State. Well, Texas A&M sort of sitting there that maybe somehow, somehow this works out, but I doubt it. They got two more games. They need some chaos, uh, like Ohio State losing, Florida and Clemson losing. They're going to need some help. They basically need those three. But they got a route. And then there is Ohio State. They are now 5-0. and This weekend's game, next weekend's game against Michigan is TBD. And by the time you listen to this, it might be canceled. We don't know. But there's certainly this outbreak. Now, the Big Ten has not been one to move games and try to schedule something. There is this rule that you need to play six games before you're in the Big Ten championship game. So technically, Indiana, which certainly is a great story, would get in the Big Ten championship game from the East, despite losing to Ohio State by seven points. Ohio State would be in second place and play Wisconsin. couple things. Now, already, uh, I think we saw Barry Alvarez come out and say, well, you know, I mean, this rules like we just made the rule. We can break the rule. Who cares about this rule? I agree with all that. I have two things. Will, should, should they put Ohio State in if they're only 5-0? and Should they get them a game this weekend so they get to 6-0? and and what about this? What if you give up on this big t- championship game and just say what we want to do on the 19th is play Ohio State, Michigan and schedule that as the game instead? And we don't care about this championship this year, which I know uh, God knows the corporate dollars, um, you know, but we'd rather have Michigan, Ohio State play prime time on that Saturday and also schedule Wisconsin, Minnesota, which got canceled for the first time in 313 years or something like that. <laughs> And just just blow this thing up on the last weekend and go, we're not doing this two plays, two, three plays. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about that. Nobody cares. About that. What about that possibility of just saying, you know what's more important to us right now? It's not who wins, not whether North Ohio State beats Northwestern or Ohio State beats Wisconsin, but we get the Ohio State-Michigan game in, which is what this entire conference has been built on. Thoughts on the situation there? Anything I say, and we don't need to rehash the playoff chase. Does anything I say sound wrong? And if not, just go right to Ohio State, Pete. No, it sounded it sounded it sounded right. Like the the for the all the chaos of this year, the playoff uh, in in how it's going to come down is going to maybe be a pinch boring. Ohio State is the one dynamic, interesting because of their lack of games, because of the COVID that's uh, floating through the Big Ten right now. They really haven't been like tested, tested. Indiana pushed them, but you, you would like to see Ohio State tested more. So there is like a little aura of mystery there. If you're a SEC hardcore, you could make an argument of like, well, wait a minute, 
A&M just went to Auburn and played well and won. I mean, Michigan State's terrible. Michigan State, you know, switched their uniforms with uh, with Western Michigan. There's not that much of a difference right now. So, and again, credit to Ohio State. They went up there and did bulldoze them without three starting linemen or whatever. But I just think that was an indicator of how far ahead Ohio State is from the rest of the league and not there. But I have a, I would have a hard time barring like the 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 Florida upset of Alabama. I would have a hard time seeing Ohio State left out at this point. Um, there, there are a couple other scenarios too there, but I, I really feel like, yeah, I really feel like Clemson is is kind of a the, the swing team. If they win, they stay. Two loss Clemson, I don't think has a ton of argument. Even if it is the Notre Dame, they they would need some they would need some chaos. Uh, they would need some chaos there. I actually think Ohio State is in pretty good position. Going to actually play this game was, I think, the most important part of their season because it just gave them a path forward, showed they can be competent without players. The Big Ten is going to figure it out for Ohio State. The Big Ten is playing because of Ohio State. You can certainly argue the ethics of rules just created, et cetera. But at the end of the day, you know what the Big Ten's about? It's about making money. And it's about the betterment of the league. I just don't know what AD would stand up in the in the room other than Indiana's AD, who's been there about 10 minutes and has you know as much juice as Gene Smith's left toe. And said, well, we should play. Like, I just can't see the argument against putting your best team forward, giving the league the best chance to go forward in the playoff going on. So that th- there will be a creative, mutually agreed upon, unanimous, air quotes, uh, decision by the Big Ten, I-, I believe, at some point this week. All right. Here's my problem with the Big Ten situation and also the ACC situation. Pete, you, you said it. You crystallized it in one phrase. The Big Ten will work it out for Ohio State. The ACC has worked it out for Notre Dame and Clemson. They are literally manipulating their schedules and their systems so that the best teams get the chance to do what the league wants, which is to make the playoff. So we have just we have basically said we're all equals in this league. No, we've thrown that out the window. That is not the case. That is not true. So the other teams in the league, that's up to you to accept it. If If Ohio State has another opponent to play Saturday, if the Michigan game doesn't happen and another game doesn't happen, then get them together with that other opponent. But if they don't get to six games, I don't blame Indiana for stepping up and saying, we made all our games. We did what we needed to do. We are agreeing with the rules of the conference that said you must play this number of games to go to the championship. But because it's Ohio State, we're all supposed to throw the rules out? Okay, well then this this is the second part of it. For the Big Ten and the ACC, what's to say that the conference office isn't going to go to the officials and say, hey, we need Ohio State to win. Hey, it would really help us if Clemson beats Notre Dame. You are manipulating the system. You don't have to say it. You don't have to say it. They know it. (laughs) Yeah, okay. There it is. The best scams, you don't have to say. You think there's a rep going, geez, I wonder. What the Big mm-hmm. Ten would like is the outcome here tonight. <laughs> yeah. So if Justin Fields gets bumped on the sideline and there's eight flags go in the air for a personal foul for roughing, oh, you, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but you are planting that seed of doubt by playing favorites within your league. And then, look, the seeds are already there. We know all these people and how paranoid they are about how the league plays favorites, but you are giving them all the ammunition they need to say the league is in the bag for Ohio State, 
The league is in the bag for Notre Dame-Clemson, specifically Clemson, because the ACC needs Clemson to win that game so they can get two in the playoff. But that that is the system that these leagues are creating. All right, so well, I like this. The funniest part about the ACC thing is that, like, in, in retrospect, they just – they totally did, like, gymnastics with the schedule and bagged these yeah. games to obey Clemson's wishes. Yeah. I mean, that was, like – that was it. That was like very. It was very, very clear, and even more clear after making some calls this weekend. In uh, in, in retrospect, it was like Clemson said jump. The AC said ACC said how high, and I'm not necessarily like endorsing it, but I'm like comfortable with the reality of it. Like that's the way these things work. That's the way they've worked for a long time, and that's the way it's going to work this week. Yeah, they've never worked this blatantly before, have they? I mean, this is blatant. It's blatant, but it is it's completely on. I think this is the. I think you both, Pat, you're absolutely right. And there's a lot of fans that are outraged about this. I think Pete and I are just so calloused to yes. this. It's, of course, it's a cheat. It's like, I don't know. It's like going, you go to the WWE and you're, you know, the ref didn't look. And you're, you know, like it takes like the eight year old at the, you go, why? What's the ref? What is this ref doing? He's not. How come he stops? And it's like, well, son, this is how it works, right? This is you just you get into the music and the, the big jumps and all that. I, I think we're just so callous to it. But you're right. Look at let me say this about the the SEC. SEC has not canceled a football game yet. Nope. Not a single game has been canceled. Now we will see if they can pull this off, but we're two weeks out. That's it. They got two weeks to go. We will see whether they make it because you're pretty much out of time. But the SEC's playing the full slate. And Ohio State is sitting around and the Big Ten going, Ohio State's really good. Look at what they just did against Michigan State. They had a week off before it, too. You don't have to play the grind of a football season. Ohio State's playing every other week, basically. And they're no. not playing a strong schedule. No. And and the whole crap that upset, well, we're not going to get upset by these guys. We don't know that. We we said this the other day. They, they routinely lose games they shouldn't lose. Purdue, Iowa. The grind, if now if you get now, oh, they'll get another week off and then they get to go play, uh, you know, because Michigan, well, it's not their fault. Michigan's not that's fine. They canceled on Illinois. I get it. And I get why SEC fans are like it's garbage. You think like I, I think Alabama's going to beat Arkansas this weekend, but Arkansas now, you know, they're pretty good. They could win and they can wear your ass down. It's a big yep. physical team. So, you know, it, it, it's what the ACC's done was absolutely rigged the system. But at the same time, I think they were looking at it like, dude, we played 10. We're going to rig this system because look what a Big Ten is doing. Look at this crap. Ohio State's got five games and we're supposed to grind it through? No. They're doing it. We're going to do it. And then for whatever reason, the Pac-12 gets no respect. My Colorado Buffaloes <laughs> are 4-0. and The Buff Bus is starting to churn up. No, but I think it's just, I think everyone immediately cheats each other. No, it's, it's this whole thing. There's no central power. There's no one to say, yeah, nah, that ain't going to work. Right. It's total garbage. That's the sport. And again, we would have done such an easier time this year if the, instead of all cheating each other, creating distrust, rigging the rules, all they had done and said, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to have every major conference get a, a an automatic bid and you guys can just play it out however the hell you want. And then we're going to have three at-large teams and there's our season. And this thing would be so much better and so much easier and so much more aboard. But instead, the natural inclination of people in college sports is to cheat. 
That's it. It's NASCAR. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. So they cheated. Yeah. And the SEC of all the damn people are standing around going, <laughs> yeah. what is this? That's we played by the rules here. Yeah. Like, they, gave, right. they gamed it going into the season. They were smart. You know, they set up the, through scheduling going into the season. They gave Alabama and Florida and their their playoff chances. They, they gamed it. Uh, I mean, that's they a good did, point, actually, Sully. That little Gamed that it? little bit of scheduling chicanery um, has has been lost in sort of just the. I feel like every week by is not too having much them play cycles. each other. I mean they they're playing ten SEC games. Yeah, but they had the flexibility on those games. And rem- remember, it was like I, I forget exactly. Pat Missouri got screwed. Uh, Kentucky got screwed. Um, but you don't know who's going to be good was at mad that point. They didn't get like blue blood treatment like Alabama and Florida did. That was it was classic petty college sports it was really but you don't wondrous. you don't know who's going to be good so you assume lsu is a tough game well, yeah, and lsu thing, right. is not a tough game and guess what missouri actually ain't bad right and no that's, right. that the two games missouri had added were alabama and lsu and then yes. they beat lsu as did almost everybody else has played lsu on the scale of cheating on this one the sec is is they're coming out clean they're practically a service <laughs> academy <laughs> They're the hell is, they're not trying hard. Uh, they're literally weeping at like Bon Shonigan King at the idea that the SEC might be on the up and up now. I mean, these guys got kids in college and orthodontist bills and stuff. We need billable hours. They actually they're hired still- the number two at the SEC is a guy named William King, who was at the Birmingham firm that used to represent Auburn on all their stuff. Was it yeah. what's the name of that place, Pat? Whitefoot uh, Little or something? Is it Whitefoot? Yeah. I can't remember, yeah. but Lightfoot, yes, that's, maybe Lightfoot. Yeah, yeah something. I think it is Lightfoot. Yeah. Notice of allegation, LLC. <laughs> yes. yes, right. Notice, notice an allegation. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of rich lawyers down in Birmingham made off of that NCA rule book over the last 50 years. Uh, well, I don't know. I just I, so I'm with Pete. To me, Ohio, they are putting Ohio State in. They can go on ESPN and have their little verbal gymnastics where they're going to be like, well, the committee might leave Ohio State out. That committee is not leaving Ohio State out. Ohio State is undefeated with five wins, six wins, or seven wins. They're getting in. I don't know whether they deserve it. I think when you don't have to play a bunch of games, you are fresher. You have everything's better. And you can say, well, we lost a few guys here. That that Ohio State-Michigan State game, I don't know who the announcers were, but they were acting like Ohio State was showing up with like like eight guys or something like you know it's like a 16 man roster and guys were like the walking wound they lost a few offensive linemen michigan state sucks they have no pass rush yeah it was like no. yeah, cry me a river for the buckeyes they played awesome yesterday they don't need like the 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 announcers in the bag for them i mean it's good i mean stuff's getting crazy how about during the clemson game they interview ian book yeah, right. Well, that was classic. Right? We're bored. Okay, this game is going to be off. No one's watching. Let's try right. to add yeah. something to it to like juice it up. I have never watched a football game where another guy was interviewed who wasn't right. even in the game. Yeah, but that was also like all right, we're already going to start the hype train for the ACC championship game because yeah. it's Clemson <laughs> and it's Notre Dame and it's on our air. So, Bing, Bing, Bing. I mean, what is this like? Really? I mean, it, uh, uh, can you imagine? We're interviewing another guy. They had his face like half screened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Ian Book was like, why am I here? <laughs> like, that's <laughs> what his tone said. You know? He was just like, he was polite. And Ian Book's a great kid and he's a great quarterback and all that. But he was just sort of like, 
I don't really get this. <laughs> and it was funny, too. Like, uh, Grace Rayner, who does a great job covering Clemson for the Athletics, she was tweeting. She's at the game, the Clemson game. So she's tweeting, I don't understand why Ian Book Clemson is trending on Twitter. And everybody's telling her, well, because they're interviewing him during the game you're covering. <laughs> oh. And you're going to tell me this is about football, right? This isn't about <laughs> yeah. football. No. This is all politics. They could have they could have solved a lot of these problems, but the classic inclination is guard what you have and cheat yep. the other guy. That's Absolutely. why we love this sport, by the way. <laughs> That's why we love this sport. I appreciate the hustle. But yep. that is where we're at because this is ridiculous. But that's that's where we're at. All right. Speaking of uh of of shameless promotion, politicking, uh juking stats, everything that it takes, let's talk briefly about the Heisman. So we are in a, an unusual Heisman campaign. I'm not a big fan of the Heisman. I like the small sample Heisman. Don't like the big Heisman. Uh, too much like gifts and uh, just graft and ridiculousness. But um, is this where you lecture on us? Why we shouldn't vote for the Heisman? I'm not, I'm not going to do that gonna this get year. that little tisk tisk ruler slap that we do. You should but I'm not going to do it. I'm just whatever. <laughs> you people want to be corrupted. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> the media. Bring it the on. Media, we shouldn't vote for anything. Okay, we shouldn't vote for anything, but anyway, whatever. Can we vote for um, president? Yeah, maybe. You know, I don't know. That's we, we. I mean, something unimportant like that. We can't do something important like the high. <laughs> um. Anyway, Tennessee linebacker uh, alleged yesterday that uh, Florida was 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 kept throwing the ball to pad uh, Trask stats. Uh, Kyle Trask uh, had a through forty nine times in the thirty one. 19 volunteer backdoor cover. Sorry, vo- sorry, Sully. <laughs> Sully. Sully had it the worst yesterday in that bet. He bet against his favorite team, Tennessee, and they got backdoor covered by them. That yeah. is like the double kick. On fourth and 10. On fourth that's, and 10 by the third stream quarterback. That's karma coming back at you, Sully. You yeah, don't 100%. go against your own team it. like that against a rival. And you know that, that Sully. Back, you, yeah, you that just can't backdoor do. cover. Got Jeremy Pruitt and Phil Fulmer another year extension. <laughs> uh, that's what that did. I don't know what people are even complaining about in Knoxville. <laughs> I got to say, I tweeted something out about Tennessee. The number of people still supporting Phil Fulmer is amazing. Amazing. Oh. Um, but, hey, I was, I got it all wrong, apparently. He's, Can't you he's, see they're the doing trim- I mean, it's Great very work. evident. <laughs> it's, uh, we're about the process here. That's the, the ultimate loser's lament, right? We're not about the results. We're about the relationships and the process. And uh, yeah. it's getting there. That's the thing. Uh, when anyway, people start talking the... process, it's because they can't back up the bottom line. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, we knew they were trying to pad his stats up, throw the ball as much as they can. So we just had to do a better job executing. So see, alleged uh, unsportsmanlike conduct in the Heisman race. Uh, basically, Sully's got this boiled down to Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, Trevor Lawrence, Ian Book. Uh, briefly, uh, if one of you got, you guys both vote or just Pat? I think you're the only well. voter. Uh, you both vote. Um, yeah. If we were going to have a vote right now, your thoughts? Uh, boy, I'm not, I mean, I, w- I am not ready to cast a ballot. I, I've got five guys, basically, that I'm looking at for three spots, and I don't know who would be one, two, or three. But I've got Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I have Devontae Smith instead of Mac Jones because I think Devontae Smith is the best player on the best team. I have Justin Fields, but he's only played five games. It's a problem. Zach Wilson, who I think is phenomenal and showed it by leading that drive at the end. He didn't play a great game, but he also had some some guys dropping some balls on him. Uh, And who is my fifth? Trask, Kyle Trask. Yeah, that's my fifth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
that's that's it's it's one of those five and it's three of those five for me. But I don't know who exactly. Yeah, I don't have a ton of conviction right now on a on on a one or a one, two, three. Nobody. Well, out of Pat's five, I'm at least going to consider Ian Book. I mean, oh, I'll, he, I'll consider like, him. I'll consider. Yeah, like it, like he was, he was a, he was a magician in that, uh, in that North Carolina game, and you know, it's not a career award, but Ian Book's been really, really, really good. The Trevor Lawrence case is going to be the fascinating one, right? Because Trevor Lawrence is the best player in college football, right? Like, there's, I don't think there's any doubt. Now, again, it's a one season, it's a sample, it's because there has been some COVID issues, and the ACC pulls a data point away. Do we, do we hold that against Trevor Lawrence? And I, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't know. Like it, I, I want to see Clemson finish strong, but I really think that again, and I know Dan can speak to this, uh, cause he has strong, stronger opinions on it than I do. But like, are you going to regret not voting for Trevor Lawrence because he is so much better than everyone because he had a lack of opportunity and showcases to show it this year? Yes, you will. <laughs> yes, you will. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence is the Heisman Trophy winner. Look, at I will not vote. I've never voted. I vote for nothing. Okay? We shouldn't have this job because we're unqualified. But if you're going to give me an unqualified vote, and I think they've asked me to vote, Trevor, what, I mean, what are you guys doing? Let's line up all the college football players in an open field and say who you got for the first pick of the today's game. Who you want? Pick up sides. Trevor Lawrence is getting picked. He is the best player. I don't care if he had COVID for a couple of days. They they end up losing to Notre Dame. I don't care about data points. I don't care. Trevor Lawrence, this is how you end up with, you know, Jason White beating Larry Fitzgerald, Eli Manning, and Ben Roethlisberger out. (laughs) Because you come up with some stat system. There's always, well, he's got a better year through 10 games, eight games. Then Joe Burrow had, and since Joe Burrow won, or he's the first guy to rush for this many yards and this many things with this while having three consonants in his last name. They come, they can come up with anything they want, or they send. They, they used to buy all the the, the sports writers uh, stakes out at the night before the game. Hey, we won the Heisman. Like the same schools would win the Heisman every time. This is easy. Trevor Lawrence is the best player. What are you people doing? This is why you people shouldn't vote. You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so you're telling us. <laughs> both that we should not vote and that we're unqualified to vote and who we should vote for. Am I, is that yes. what I'm getting out of this lecture, <laughs> Professor Wetzel? Yeah, do you got if that you're right? corrupt yeah. enough, If you're corrupt enough to vote, if you're willing to give away all your journalistic integrity and you don't care and you're willing to be a voter in the Heisman, listen to me, people, all of you, not just you two, but the rest of you listening, at least vote for the right guy. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to be corrupt, don't be corrupt and dumb. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's it. Your conflict of interest should at least align with what I think it should be. So. <laughs> if they line up for the national title game and someone's going against Clemson, Ian Book, Notre Dame, say, Brian Kelly, would you rather have that guy or your guy? Yeah, I don't care. what. <laughs> Come on. Well, I have a good person. Yeah, well, he's a nice guy, too. Okay. <laughs> Which quarterback do you want for the rest of the season? And any yeah, come on. It's like they do this in the NFL too. Patrick Mahomes, the best player. Enough. Enough. Don't do like what are, you, what are we coming up with here? If you could pick you know Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, he's your quarterback. He's the best player. NBA does this. Remember, Steve Nash, Steve Nash won two, two uh MVPs, like Shaq won one. And Kobe only won one. Like, come on, what? 
Guys, Steve Nash, he played defense. It's, it's the same story every year. That's why you guys are terrible at it. We're moving on. <laughs> there we go. We've been backseat driven, Pete. I've already had enough of this topic. Um, <laughs> all right. <So> have we. <laughs> How much? Yeah, you're just getting lectured by me. Now you get, you, This is what my kids have to deal with. Uh, Coach O. Coach O. Roll Tide what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, the ch- the the chickens came home to us. The elephant never forgets, and that's the mascot of Alabama. All right, so Coach O, there is, you know, there's LSU fan. It's, oh, we lost a lot of talent. And so did Alabama. There's, you know, we're not firing. We, I think we fired Coach O a couple times this season. We're not going to fire him today. He's going to be back. We but put him in the Gene Chizik sidecar for imminent doom next year. Yeah, right. The Larry Coker. Like, what? How, the honeymoon over? Like, next year? I mean, it, that, that team looks terrible. Sully slid me this stat. Uh, this was the worst loss by a defending national champion or reigning national champion. You can't defend it. Nobody can take right. it from you. The right. reigning national champion. See, I understand language as a writer home while you guys loss. are busy with yeah. your Heisman. By your high, home loss. Home loss in the AP era. And uh, I'm not surprised. I mean, it was just... By the time I clicked back over from the Coastal game, it was over. It was very depressing. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, really just Devonta Smith running vertical routes. That was really that that game in my mind to me. Like I never, I have to, I never really settled in. And Clemson was like farting around. And I, I watched that for a little while. And like, yeah, I just every time I clicked over, I was like, oh, another vertical route behind that LSU secondary DBU chasing like like they're playing tag on the playground. The the O thing is interesting. Sully sent a clip on our uh, on our vibrant group text yesterday of O throwing a temper tantrum on the sideline, throwing his helmet, yelling at people, like the awkwardness of the staff trying to like coach the game while O is throwing a temper tantrum is pretty priceless. They're like getting out of the way of him. It it was really like, but to me, it sort of signified like he didn't have a whole lot of answers. So his answer was going to be to just yell really loud and throw a fit. Like there didn't seem to be a lot of like, all right, we really need to, you know, we really need to go to quarters here. Like we need to try to adjust this way. It was just like, we can't stop him, and I have no answers. That was what that clip epitomized uh, to me. And I really think the Ed Orgeron era from this point out will be defined by what he does with his coordinators and his staff going forward. I've said this on the show before. When you are a head coach that does not oversee one side of the ball, you are reliant on those positions. And he hit on those positions last year amid that undefeated season. Like, Joe Brady was the— like that was like the future bet on the three-legged horse that went and won the Derby, right? Like it was just the most unbelievable thing like I've ever seen. I had never heard of Joe Brady. Pat, you had never heard of Joe Brady, right? Before he got hired. Yeah, there. no, 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 like no. never. People who covered the Saints barely knew who Joe Brady was. <laughs> right. Like, uh, JT Barrett was their third-string quarterback, their practice squad guy, and that was like Joe Brady coached him. Like the third-string quarterback in the NFL doesn't get a whole lot of attention. It was like this guy was like. So anyway, like give him all the credit in the world. My God, he found the unbelievable answer. So now it's seemingly, at least defensively, the Bo Pelini thing is not working. That's very obvious. You got to go find an answer there. And you still have Steve Emsinger, who Pat and I have written comments about like that, that, like the game had appeared to pass him by some. And now all of a sudden he he's your main guy there. You have Scott Linehan as your offensive coordinator who had kind of like cycled out of Dallas and he brought NFL schemes like you can't sit in again. They've had quarterback issues. They certainly have had talent issues. I don't want to discount what they lost and what opted out, et cetera. 
But if you're Coach O, you've got to sit there and, and make a very difficult decision. Say, okay, are Emsinger and Linehan the guys we want to go with going forward? Like these are th- these are the decisions. The talent is there. The recruiting's there. But those are the decisions that are going to define Orgeron going forward. And there are not easy answers there. Yeah. I'll, if it hadn't already been done, Devontae Smith retired Bo Pelini yesterday. Uh, it probably had already been done. Probably was done the first week of the season by KJ Costello and Mike Leach in Mississippi State. But so that they're getting a new defensive coordinator. They should get a new offensive coordinator because it is abundantly clear, you know, that yeah, that that Steve Ensminger, while you know, a longtime Tiger, he played there, he's coached there, he did a good job last year. But that was a Joe Brady show in terms of the offense, especially the passing game. And as somebody. Somebody was asking me about Kentucky a couple of weeks ago. Can, can they go get a Joe Brady? I was like, Joe Brady doesn't grow on trees. He's not out there. They're not, there aren't 50 Joe Bradys running around out there, you know, ready to magically transform an offense. So I don't know what you do on that side of the ball, but you got to make changes there too. And the biggest problem now, Pete, you are right that to me, from a he is a CEO guy, but he's also a hot-headed guy who doesn't handle adversity well. And the last two weeks, we have seen Orgeron blow up on the sidelines. And last year, it was pretty easy when you're going 15-0 and and everybody's playing great and you've got ridiculous talent to sit there with your arms crossed and listen to the headset and maybe offer a few suggestions and inputs. But now, there's trouble. you got to be able to handle trouble better than he's handling it. I don't think there's any question Coach O is one of the great motivators. In in America, man, it motivates me every time I see him. You know, go Tigers! He gets the guys fired up to play, but you need someone else to tell them which where where they're going. That's kind of your problem. Last year you had it; those guys came in, they went into Tuscaloosa and everywhere else, just ears pinned back, ready to roar. I mean, this is this is Coach O at his greatest. But if he doesn't have that, doesn't have that talent, I don't know. So I think next year will be very very big. All right, I quickly want to get to the Battle of the Ozarks, the Arkansas Missouri. Uh, game, which actually could be a pretty good rivalry. Uh, I think it's got Pittman and uh, and and Drinkwitz uh, going at the uh, first year coaches. Both got their teams going. It was a great game. Went down two scores in the final minute for Missouri to pull it out. I do believe this game should be moved to a field near the Lake of the Ozarks, <laughs> so that the, after the game, hear me out. After the game, the winning team all runs and jumps in the pool at Backwater Jake's. <laughs> <laughs> or, shady or dirty gators. gators or whatever that place shady yeah, yeah, gators, yeah. Yes. back shady gators or backwater and then they just drink all night like i think that that really encapsulates the the arkansas missouri game a little better than whatever they're doing now they, Can I think marty bird be the best the the guest picker or the like the like the the guest captain marty bird from uh from ozark i don't know yeah if, uh, Sully, you that. must yep. have watched ozark right yeah that, that show's crazy so we could do that on. Yeah. There's a lot they could do with this oh, rivalry yeah. to get Those it going. Those are yeah. underrated. Yep. Underrated, right? So I think there's a lot. But we got some potential, so we're going to keep an eye on this one. This is going to be an ongoing saga, oh, how yeah. this works. But uh, Pat, Look, Dan, you, you buried have... the lead, though, because the real ongoing saga here is Pat versus alma mater's yeah, football That's team. what I'm getting. Yeah, Pat, <laughs> a, a Missouri alum, is getting, <laughs> getting bashed on Twitter by the Missouri football Twitter account. What did what Missouri you do? Athletic Department Twitter account. The whole, the whole, athletic, the whole athletic department. Yeah. I the come on here every week. Department. Every week I make fun of the University of Massachusetts football program, <laughs> and I and I literally vow to never give them a penny. Okay, and 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 make fun of anyone who does. And they still they don't bash me. 
and you actually went there, somewhat of an esteemed alum, and you sent your son there to compete. (laughs) And he covers the team. And he covers the team. And he covers the team, and you're at war with these guys. Explain yourself, Papua. How could you be such a hated individual that your own alma mater is after you? I want them to explain themselves. Come on. I'm on their side. Of course you are. Of course you are. I'm the aggrieved party here. You kidding me? No, I, I mean, if you saw the play that it looked like was going to beat Missouri, was in Missouri has an incredible oeuvre of disastrous ways to lose games. I mean, I will put down. it up against anybody. Any the fifth down, other, the fifth fifth down, down is down. the worst loss ever. It was on a play that did not exist. Yes, the flea kicker by Nebraska to win the national, to help them win the national championship where the guy kicks the ball up in the air and and the Nebraska (laughs) guy catches it to win the game. Tyus Edney's full-court drive. People win national titles at the incredible expense of Missouri. Now, Arkansas was not going to win the national title, but this was an incredibly epic Missouri play. Arkansas is going for two, down 47-46, 43 seconds left. Quarterback flushed, comes off his main guy, has nothing throws a lollipop into the end zone to the Missouri linebacker. It hits him in the hands. Now, smart play is knock it down, game over. But he tries to catch it and bobbles it and bobbles it straight into the hands of the Arkansas receiver for a two-point conversion that basically wins the game, except it didn't. So I tweeted that Missouri has found uh, a completely new way to Missouri a game. Because that's what Missouri does. And then, lo and behold, they drive 43. They drive in 43 seconds, kick the winning field goal on the last play. Next thing you know, I'm being trolled by the Missouri Athletic Department uh, Twitter account, to which I told them back. I said, I will continue to contribute as an alum to the School of Journalism and not the Athletic Department. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> How will they survive without the big bucks? Uh, they'll get uh-huh. by. They'll get by just fine. But now we're at war. <laughs> It's, it's it's a good reminder to Missouri. You're not going to out petty anyone on this podcast. All right. <laughs> if you go low, we're going lower. That's right. Don't try it. Pat, <laughs> Pat's uh, aluminum can collect recycling collection dot money. They just uh, like they just call up Cronky and get another you know couple yeah, hundred million. No, that, he'll, do uh, yeah. he'll do it. He'll do it. Trust me. They're out there hat in hand all the time wanting money. Uh-uh. School Aren't of Journalism. Yes, we have a nice minority journalism scholarship fund going. I encourage all our listeners to contribute to it. All right. One last little bit here before we get to small sample Heisman and we try to say something nice. Uh, CBS Sports reported on their NFL broadcast Sunday, Pat Fitzgerald, the Northwestern coach who has uh, got the the uh, Wildcats positioned for uh, – Big Ten title game, perhaps. Chicago Institution. Grew up there, played for Northwestern, been there. If the Chicago Bears move on from Matt Nagy, they will target Pat Fitzgerald. Pretty interesting. Pat Fitzgerald has, he could have been a coach pretty much everywhere at this point, uh, has never wanted to leave. I think everybody in the country looks at him and says, that's a really good football coach. It's only so much you're going to do at Northwestern. He does it, you know, does it the does it with a the great attitude and all that. One time there was word that the Packers were interested and he asked his kids and they said, no, we can't go to the Packers. We're Bears fans. So it never went anywhere. I don't know that he would leave. I, this may already be shot down by the time you listen to this, but we don't care. We're going to get right into it. What do you think of Pat Fitzgerald possibly going to the Bears 
and trying it at the NFL with that work. One thing that I do think it would do is it, it allows him to leave Northwestern without angering Northwestern. And in two years or three years, if it doesn't work. He goes and gets whatever job he wants that can actually win a national title along those lines, or it works and he gets to coach the bears, which means a lot to a kid in Chicago. So Pete, what do you think? Well, I think it, it brings up an interesting question, Dan. I think like, is the Bears job, which is a very good NFL job, a good NFL job. I don't know, like leadership GM, like there's some factors that have to be uh, equated in, but it's, you know, it's not the Jacksonville job, right? Like it's not one of those, one of those other rands, like, like there's history there, but there's also some dysfunction there too, which is why they are where they are. Is that a better job than Texas? Is that a better job than Michigan? And I and I think it's it's an interesting question. You know, I, we all know Fitzgerald. We've all dealt with him from over the years. I've always thought that this is the one job that could tempt him. Now, he has had essentially a quarter of the league, the NFL, at some point ask him if he's wanted to go. Brady Hoke got the job at Michigan. He could have gone there. Uh, in fact, Fitzgerald's had, you know, basically every job in the country of substance dangled in front of him. Do I think he's going to go to Bears? No, because Pat Fitzgerald never leaves. Like there's been a decade of job offers and he hasn't responded to any of them. So it's just hard to sit back and think, oh, well, this time it's going to happen. And here's and here's why his emotional attachment to Northwestern, to that school, to that place, to what he's been able to build there is as strong as I've witnessed any coach school connection. It's not just coach program, not just coach athletic department, coach school connection of any coach in any school in the 20 years I've been doing this. I just think like that is almost an unbreakable bond there. Will he try one other job at some point? Yeah, perhaps he will. You know, I, I, I'm never going to rule it out, but I have seen him say no so many times and he doesn't make a production out of it. He's not a diva about it. Um, his name doesn't even get bandied around a lot. That CBS report to me was almost like a guess, like, eh, yeah, they go after Pat Fitzgerald. One other point on this, I do think there will be more NFL franchises attempting to pluck college coaches this year than any other year in recent seasons. There is just no pipeline. There's a few good candidates, right? Eric Bieniemy stands out. He, he should get a job, maybe in Atlanta, maybe Houston. But there is not a flush pipeline of ready NFL coaches. And I think there's, I just heard more chatter and heard more NFL teams poking around college candidates right now in this cycle than at any other time that I've been following it. So I do think that the, the lack of, high-end candidates available in the NFL in that pipeline is going to turn and the David Shaw's of the world are going to get opportunities. The James Franklin's of the world are going to get opportunities. And, you know, you can go through the the, the list of uh, Lincoln Riley, the, the list of predictable suspects. I did one a couple weeks ago on Yahoo, but I do think that the action in that space is there and it's real. And I do think we'll see one or two jump this year. Yeah. I, here's my thought on Fitz. Uh, and Fitz being, you know, what people call him, and he also fits, F-I-T-S, uh, like like nobody else, as Pete alluded to at Northwestern. I mean, it is in his blood. However, he's 46 years old, and his entire adult life basically has been Northwestern. And while that's that's a draw, that's a tie, that's an anchor, it might also be when you're 46 and you're looking around and saying, okay, am I really going to do this like 20 more years? Is this where I'm going to coach my entire life? I'm a good coach. I'd like to win a national title. I'm not sure I can win a national title here. 
there's other places I might be able to do it. And as Dan alluded to, given the ties there and given his his allegiance to the place, if you want Notre Dame or someplace else, uh, a, a, an elite Big Ten job or Texas job, that sort of thing, you, you, you'd probably be better off to launder yourself or you, you might think you'd need to launder yourself for a couple of years, take a shot at the NFL, Bears right there in town, whatever. And then you can come back to college as a conquering hero and have the job that you want where you're not leaving Northwestern for another college job. So do I think he would go? No, but I could understand at age 46, having been there since he was basically 18, other than a couple of years as a GA and a player uh, when he was out of school, Boy, that that you might just be looking and saying, "What else am I going to do with my life?" Fifteenth season, he got the job when yeah. he was thirty-one. Yeah, so he can become. I mean, he can become Joe Paterno and stay thirty more years or something like that. And and there's something to be he said loves for Joe that. Paterno, by the way, you yeah. want to get Fitz going? He loves talking about Joe Paterno. Yeah, well, there's something to say, but Joe Paterno won two national titles and had a you know slightly. Can can Northwestern get there? Is that facility really going to turn the corner? They're really good. He's a great coach, but. It's, you know, I I can see it because you want to go try something else. This is the way to do it. I just don't think there's there's that great tie to Northwestern, but there's also like I can leave. I did my job for this school and I can go and I I, he's not going to go to the Bears like, hey, I'll just take a couple years here. And I mean, he's going to try to win a Super Bowl. But if it doesn't work, you come back with more credibility and every other school in the Midwest, Notre Dame and Michigan, whatever one's open at when you're back. I mean, look, if you wanted the Michigan job right now, you'd probably get it. Sure. Right. I think so. I mean, so you could probably bump Harbaugh out, but you come back and all of a sudden it's three years from now and Brian Kelly's saying, nah, all right, now you're coming in and you were just the Bears coach and you've got NFL experience and everybody knows you and everybody likes you. And now you're in Notre Dame. It's like, hey, here we go. So anyway, interesting rumor. Um, Again, maybe shot down by the time you hear this, but we don't care. Um, all right, let's uh, let's hand out some small sample Heisman, the real Heisman Trophy. Hello, record book. Hello, small sample Heisman. How about that? Pat, you have a small sample Heisman you want to hand out. I do. I do. I'm, I'm actually going to make two guys share it. We're going to have our first ever shared Heisman Trophy. All right. All right. Uh, this is going to be the uh, defensive backs for... Uh, Coastal Carolina, who made the play that won the game on the Zach Wilson post pattern to Dax Milne. Great passer to a great receiver. He catches it in stride at the three-yard line. He gets two steps, and that's it. Because Coastal played this perfectly. They set their safeties basically as a picket fence at the goal line. And everything, you just move up from there and you make the stop. And that's what they did. It was uh, freshman Mateo Sudipo who coming into that game and only had 10 tackles all season. He gets the first hit and then fellow safety Braden Matz threw his body into the collision and kind of got the worst of it because he ended up on his back kind of dazed at the end of the play. But he's the one that actually that collision stood up Mills Milne and took his feet off the ground and then he was able to be taken down by Sudipo. So those two guys, defensive backs for Coastal Carolina, the undefeated Proud Roosters are my small sample Heisman. Considering I gave a small sample Heisman to Markel Utzi of Missouri earlier this year for his <laughs> role in a bench-clearing brawl, I don't <laughs> think having two in, like, I, there are no rules. Unlike <laughs> that stuffy award you guys vote for. Uh, anything goes. So good good co-winners. I'm going to go with 
Tulsa's Jackson player, the star of the Tulsa defense in a win over Navy this weekend that gave the Golden Hurricane a spot in the AAC title game. Tulsa is 6-0 in the AAC. They're 6-1 on the season. That one loss was obviously to Oklahoma State to open the year when they had COVID issues and practice and all that stuff. And uh, I think we, we, we gave them a pretty hard time on the podcast about it because they had 27 pre-snap penalties in that game, or it seemed that way anyway. So Old Jackson had four and a half tackles for loss. They held Navy to 2.4 yards per carry. And I talked to Philip Montgomery for takeaways, and he was on a very giddy team plane going back from Tulsa. Feels great for those guys. Star linebacker is Zayvon Collins, who's an All-American. I think he'll be a first-round pick. He's been one of the most dynamic players in all college football this year for Tulsa. He left that game late with an injury. He's going to be back. But it was Jackson player, four-and-a-half TFLs against Navy, and old Tulsa going to be playing for the, for all the marbles in the AAC. All right, I'm giving mine to Indiana quarterback Jack Tuttle. Stepped into the uh, starting role after uh, injury to uh, Penix. I believe all of us were dumb enough to think we're going to derail the Hoosiers. And instead, Jack Tuttle, transfer from Utah, 13 to 22, 130 yards, two touchdowns. I don't worry about padded stats. We're not the Florida Gators. It was gritty. It was gutty. It was 14-6 over the Badgers. Great win for Indiana, seriously. Uh, talk about a program win, right? This is the kind of stuff coaches get fired up about. It's a program win. Slap the floor. Play some D. Indiana, everyone thought would fall apart. They didn't. Uh, they are motoring along. And unless the Big Ten re-rigs the rules, they could be in the Big Ten title game, uh, which would be pretty funny. So great job, Jack Tuttle. You were ready to play, uh, and you did a good job. All right, we've said a lot of mean things on this podcast, a lot of uh, nasty things, probably half-true things. Uh, who knows what else? But can we say something nice? That's the real question here. Pete, are you able to say something nice? I am. I'm going to say something nice about the Rice Owls who went to Marshall, number 21 Marshall, and shut them out 20 to nothing. It was Rice's first win over a ranked team since 1997, first shutout of a ranked opponent since 1960. That is a big historic win. Uh, Mike Bloomgren, uh, the old OC at Stanford, is in his third year at Rice. He brought the intellectual brutality mantra with him. And look, Rice Rice didn't win this by like, you know, uh, run tempo or four verts, right? They basically lined up across from Marshall, who is an excellent football team, and pounded them. They intercepted Grant Wells, Sully's favorite quarterback, five times. And, Not anymore. And Bloom- yeah, boop, boop, boop. And, uh, and, and basically just uh, it, was a, it was a program win, and it's nice to see the Rice program, which a lot of people thought would cancel the season this year. They were, they were on the brink to go through what they've gone through and go and have an historic win, generational win for that program without their starting quarterback, without their starting tailback, without their best receiver. The Owls went and just stomped Marshall as 22-point underdogs. Yeah, good one. And that's, yes, we were, we, we, in August, I remember being specifically on Rice Death Watch, basically, to say, you know, calling people down there, are you going to play? Like, eh, maybe, we hope. But, uh, all right, I'm going to say something nice. I'm going big brand here, but I'm going to say something nice about Nick Saban's viciousness. I admire and respect his ability to exact cold-blooded revenge on those who have beaten him. Their last two games were against the two teams that beat them last year and kept them out of the college football playoff for the first time. They played Auburn in the Iron Bowl, 
and then they played LSU. They beat those two teams 97 to 30 the last two weeks. Absolutely blew the doors off both of them. The Auburn game could have been worse. Other than Hugh Freeze, believe it or not, people do not necessarily have a chance to get Nick Saban back-to-back games. He did it when he was at Ole Miss. Since then, nobody has beaten Saban. If you beat him one year, you did not beat him the next. So Auburn, LSU, you got what was coming to you. Nick Saban is a bad man when he's going for revenge. All right, I want to say something nice about the Bush Light distributors in central Iowa and uh, the good business that they had after this weekend when Iowa State won its first conference championship since the dinosaurs walked the earth. And mainly I'm doing this so we can play the AIM song because there's no way we're not playing the AIM song when Iowa State has won the Big 12 regular season. Now, they got a conference championship game, so there's more work to do. And Matt Camp, Coach Matt Camp, our hero, uh, have said that uh, it was subdued in the locker room. This was no wild party. This was no Coastal Carolina, okay? The, the Bush Light drinker just sits back and enjoys a fine beverage. They don't go wild like those Coastal Carolina Myrtle Beach people. It's chill. It's work to be done. And at the end of a good hard day of work, you have some Bush Light. And that's what they did up at Iowa State. Brees Hall, 153 yards running. Brock Purdy, 20 of 23, 247, three touchdowns. Absolutely trounced West Virginia. No close game here. Congratulations, Cyclones. And congratulations to whoever made this terrible song. <laughs> so this is what we need if Iowa State wins the Big 12. You know, usually, like, there's that scene in the locker room where the coach gives the speech and then they pump in Sheck West or something else. No. <laughs> Iowa State wins the Big 12 and they blare the city of Ames song in the locker room and everyone sings about the fourth best water pressure or whatever yeah. it's an issue water treatment plan we, won awards. we have people we have people of prominence at Iowa State who listen to this <laughs> podcast we need to incorporate that city of Ames song we need we need Matt Campbell singing it a cappella we need something we need we, come on we, yeah <laughs> have a drink of water it's the best around i believe that is one of the lines <laughs> This is an actual Chamber of Commerce or something video to encourage people to visit a town or move there even. Yes. And when you get there, it's so exciting. You should have a glass of water. <laughs> the, the, just the spontaneous Twitter messages to us this week oh, of people oh. who heard the song for the first time and can't stop laughing. Like, keep that, listening. Just those, like please keep those coming because they just make my uh, they just make. My you know week. what? In honor of the Cyclones, Sully, I hope you, you played it during this. Play it again. The whole thing. Carry it out because it's too good. We don't want to be talking over it all that. All right. We'll be back midweek. Uh, we'll see how many games are being played. Uh, what's up? And uh, please subscribe. Share us on social media. We appreciate you all listening and getting in on all the jokes. And we will talk to you then. Hooray! We love it in the city of Bay. Hooray! It's beautiful in autumn, late December brings snow. Ames is a safe place, the crime rate is low. We've got great schools, the students score high. We go for number one, not just to get by. Ames hides in the Bronx.
fun. We think that's great. Over 357 schools in the state. If you visit here, you won't want to go home. Join us with a hooray for the awesome cyclones. It's ISU, the home of field magic. Driving with the top down by College Creek. The spring is mild and the flowers shine. Let's hear a hooray for the warm summertime. Affordable living, why go to L.A.? Number nine best city in the U.S.A. For a glass of water when you visit our town. Crack a smile. Drink it down. It's, it's the, the cleanest around. Hooray! We love it in the city of A. Hooray! We love it in A. If you're just passing through or you're here to stay. Hooray! Let's support the city of A. Intelligent people with kinder ways. Hooray! Let's hear it for the city of A. Four seasons to enjoy, everybody say. Hooray! Let's hear it for the city of A. Let's grab a bite to eat, there's a place on me. Short commuter times, and that don't hurt. Less than 20 minutes to get to work. Take a walk or a ride. Great start to your day. 36 recreation areas to play. The water's so great that it won awards. Many cultures live together without any wars. So come along with me and give Ames a try. Passing through, or you're here to stay. Hooray! Let's hear it for the city of A. Intelligent people with kinder ways. Hooray! Let's hear it for the city of A. Four seasons to enjoy, everybody say. Hooray! Let's hear it for the city of A. Grab a bite to eat, there's a place on the map. Let's hear it for the city of A. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.